guys. Welcome back to uh, Who Watches the Watchers. My Ooh. name is Ian. <laughs> and this is Kenny. I'm trying to bring the energy. We got it today. <laughs> <laughs> and a new soundboard. Yes, yeah. I'm working on the new soundboard. Um, uh, yeah, it. this episode we're talking about Sex Criminals mm. by Matt Fraction and Shipper Zadarsky. We're talking about the whole run. Yeah, it was a big one. We had a little extra time this week, so we decided to do the full big old sex run yes. of yeah. sexual criminals. Full and... full disclosure, this is the second time we're recording this podcast. Yeah. I just want to say that right out the bat, so if people find it a little lackluster, um, that's because we... We, we talked are... about this for an hour already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't work out totally just because yeah. we decided to have a live studio audience and yeah. it didn't work out in our favor so Which we're i feel like is it, i think that was a good experiment because now we know we can't do that again well and i think it's just more about uh setting expectations a little bit better right. is one thing we didn't do a great job of right. and yeah just yeah i don't want to say choosing our audience better but like once again yeah yeah having the audience expectation and what's happening be a little bit more on point you know i, so. I agree because we're gonna get guests and we're gonna have live studio audiences and we're gonna have a lot of fun doing this yes so we're, we're gonna, gonna have there. we're going to be produced by steven spielberg there you go i that's, love it that's my high hope i'm just kidding uh can you imagine him just producing an audio format i'm just like reaching out to us and be like hey i've been looking for a good <laughs> comic book podcast and y'all are y'all are it uh but yeah what we're talking about uh sex criminals which can i just say is holy shit one of the craziest comic books you will ever read in yes. your entire life and one thing, you know, I keep mentioning is that it's just crazy to me that this comic book written by Matt, Frat- Matt Fraction, one of my favorite Hawkeye writers and uh-huh. drawn by Chip Zdarsky, one of my favorite Spider-Man artists, <laughs> yeah. sits on a comic book shelf next to these titles, next yeah. to things like Spider-Man and is full of the things that this comic book is full of because yeah. this is a very sex-driven, nudity-filled, yep. I mean, wild ride of a thing that is for someone who wants... They're a non-conventional comic book. You know what I mean? No, like yeah. Someone who would be like, oh, fuck Marvel comics. is going <laughs> to fucking love sex criminals because it's everything, you know, that basically image allows their creators to do, which yes. is just fucking run wild. Yeah. <laughs> and I think this is just a perfect example of that. True. You know? um, no, yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a great romp. It's mm-hmm. it started out as sex jokes yeah. like wholeheartedly it was just like you know dick jokes <laughs> bimpers and all kinds of dumb like sex moves and shit like yeah. that and they didn't realize that the story was going to take a hold of of you know the audience the mm-hmm. way that it did you know what i mean um it's about two people for those that of you that are listening to this and decided that they didn't want to read the book which we highly recommend because we are going to Talk about it all. Yeah, spoiler alerts. We need yeah. to start doing that a little bit more. We should, we should have a spoiler alert button. Let me see. Okay, there it is. Our spoiler <laughs> alert button. <laughs> Spoilers <laughs> after the cough. <laughs> I still, I don't know exactly what each button does. But yeah. We're Our, figuring it out. We're learning on the soundboard. They don't have images to tell him what <laughs> yeah. button is what. So we're just kind of guessing at sounds sometimes <laughs> that we've created. But they're great. Yeah, they're great. Um, but. It, but. <laughs> And that's the macho man yeah a little macho man um but uh um (laughs) uh this is this we start out with two characters Mm -hmm. john and Susie. Mm -hmm. Susie's our main character yeah i'd say Susie's kind of like exactly our main protagonist Mm -hmm. through this and even though we do get some tangents where it's mainly or focused solely on john Mm -hmm. i yeah i think uh, you know this is kind of meant to be her wild ride right. through all of these experiences she is the, you know? the focal point yeah, and um, so i think this is the right button that yeah. girls, you make the rock and world go round 
an incredibly relevant song to this comic. Yes. And so, yeah, Susie, we find out that in middle school, her dad was killed. Right. You know, and so basically her mom, through grief, kind of like falls into herself. And so Susie, like having to learn to cope and live on her own, starts masturbating. Mm-hmm. Pretty normal thing to do in middle school. Well, I mean, but, especially, yeah, when you're learning yeah, that your body your is body. changing. Yeah. And so, um, but she finds out that through that, she can freeze time, mm-hmm. you know, through and for a little while through climax, you know. Yes. And so that's pretty much the, the catalyst of this entire comic book, yes. you know what I mean, is the concept of freezing time through orgasm, you yes. know, and so. And, and she thought she was completely alone because she went to, I guess, like the the school slut mm-hmm. who later becomes her very best friend yeah. um, that, you know, like, Hey, what does that mean whenever yeah. we orgasm and time stops? And they're like, what, what is the, the fuck, fuck are you talking about? Exactly. And so she believes that she's on her own mm-hmm. and she's a, she's a librarian. She's, well, see, and I thought that's cool is it's basically because she can't find answers for her problems. Oh. She goes to the library and starts renting books on body anatomy. And that's what makes her fall in love with books Good to call. eventually become yeah, a librarian. And so yeah. that, it's almost like through this power that mm-hmm. she even falls in love with books and finds her life passion, which is, yeah. So we kind of jump ahead and see her as an adult with a, I'll call a failing, unfortunately, yes. library. Yeah. Yeah. And so she she works at a struggling library and they have um like constant parties of like fun mm-hmm. fundraising yeah fundraisers for the to save the library mm-hmm. and that's where she meets John our second main character mm-hmm. who gets a lot of spotlight as well yeah definitely. and i feel like he is the character that arcs the most in i was this. gonna say i definitely think you bonded to john oh, a lot yeah uh, and kind of really appreciated like how he was written <laughs> yeah so john struggles with adhd and odd i mm-hmm. think is what it is mm-hmm. which is a disruptive disorder obsessive disruptive disorder yeah. exactly and so um i i have i was uh, diagnosed with either ADD or ADHD at a younger mm-hmm. age, and I like kind of quickly like got not got rid of it, but like stopped like giving it yeah. the um, I guess the the attention that it took from me. Yeah, and so I stopped like taking Ritalin and all that mm-hmm. shit because that was what they prescribed me at the time. Yeah, and I feel like from there I I developed and the idea of ODD because mm-hmm. I had a uh, like um. An oppositional, I think it's oppositional, like disobedient. I, I'm gonna look it oh, up. Real yeah, quick. maybe it's obsessive. Yeah, maybe I think disobedient is the yeah. Look so it up. ODD disorder, oppositional defiant disorder. Defiant. That I knew it was more of like a word like that. Yeah. Yeah. Op, yeah. Okay. So and so, disorder. like reading about John's struggles with with those, you know. And uh, something that you don't commonly hear about. I mean, exactly. Right. It's not. It's not like like ADD or ADHD, which is a little more common. This is almost. I feel like one of those like side streets you get right. from those disorders it's like a that branch are of... less talked about. Yeah. And so, reading about John and his struggles with this disorder, mm-hmm. I realized, oh, I must have this as well. You're like shit. That's me. <laughs> because I suddenly bonded to John a whole lot. I realized, like, oh man, like him shitting in. Because, like, yeah, we find out John also has the power of yeah, stopping gonna, time. Like, yeah, well, I was gonna say, well, why do you, yeah? How did we find out that he's doing this defiant disorder? Yeah, is because he can also stop time when he orgasms, mm-hmm. and so he spends his time in the quiet or. That's what we're going to call it. Let's yeah, just we'll call, call it the quiet. We'll, we'll mention the other names that it comes up with. But <laughs> yeah. the idea is that when time stops, it's a different 
like idea of the world and, mm-hmm. and they call it the quiet and john spends his time shitting in in his boss's potty plant, plant. <laughs> and uh that rings true with me <laughs> so I, like, I i feel that shit <laughs> literally yeah. so i i felt like i i was part of i was part of that <laughs> um <laughs> so you do the <laughs> yeah oh i should okay um <laughs> uh, so let's talk about Susie some more. Mm-hmm. So Susie meets John at this party, yeah, for and, the fundraiser for her library, mm-hmm. and they 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 hit it off. They bond over Lolita, which mm-hmm. I feel like is a joke. Yeah, I think that was kind of a joke. <laughs> like, yeah. Obviously, there is like true like literary like um, themes and and ideas to pull from the book, but I think the Have idea. You ever read Lolita? No, I haven't either. So that was where that went over my head a little bit. Yeah. As I was like, is that a sexual book? I remember them selling that like the Scholastic. Oh book no! Fair. I think no? I think you might be getting it confused with something, something else. else. Yeah. Oh, okay, Lolita is literally about a man's obsession with like a like a thirteen year old girl, oh. and I think it's like his either he is the boss or it is his boss's daughter or something like that. And so it th- that's what the whole book is about. I think that's one of it's like an iconic book. Eh? Yes, I think it's one of. Uh, um, Oh no! What is Kubrick? It was one of his first films. Oh, Lolita. really? Yes. I'm look that up now. Yeah, and so Lolita is, you know, perceived to be a, a book about from the outside, a book about a pedophile. But obviously, there is like um, some sort of literary relevance to it that we don't know because we haven't read the book. You oh, know there, what I mean? Okay, yeah, there's a 1962 Stanley Kubrick Lolita. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But then there's a remake in 1997. Oh, who's starring that um, one? But in it's uh, Jeremy Irons. Oh, interesting. Yeah, which I think is pretty interesting. Yeah. Maybe we should watch it for the podcast. <laughs> Director is Adrian Lin. Maybe we could watch both oh, of them. Oh, it's the guy that did like Jacob's Ladder. Oh, God. Jacob's and, Ladder. And Indecent Proposal. Yeah, Fatal Attraction. So, yeah, he likes fucked up movies. He, he likes he... really fucked up films. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is what we're seeing. Yeah. Oh, God. Have you ever seen Jacob's Ladder? Not, I know. That movie's a fucking fucked trip. Up film. Yeah. That movie's a fucking trip. Um, but I that's why I think it's a joke that these two bond over Lolita is because it's kind of not something that you want to outwardly talk about yeah, at a exactly. party. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like a, <laughs> a, a, a secret obsession because it's something a little inappropriate to exactly. love. That's, that's so why um, there's the uh, a genre of hentai mm-hmm. called lolly porn. Oh, okay. And it's about women who look like young girls. And so it's 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 like, almost like a branch of that. <laughs> it's the idea of Lolita, but then it's you know hentai. hentai. Yeah, <laughs> um, isn't that all hentai basically? <laughs> yeah, but this is uh, <laughs> this is this book is all about sex. Yeah, and this podcast is about to be all be about sex. This, episode this book for is sure, yeah, because yeah. um, holy shit, this book is sex riddled. There's no yeah. way we're gonna get through this without saying shit like come and vagina because and and pussy and pussy. <laughs> I don't think they outwardly say. Pussy. I don't think so either. I think they pretty I think much always pretty respectful. Yeah, they pretty much just always call it uh, like a muff or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they always use a slang term. For yeah. It. Um, but this book, this book obviously was meant to be one thing at first, mm-hmm. and then eventually evolved into several different ideas as yeah. it went along. And that's something that I really appreciate of over the the thirty two or so issues. And that, I think you can kind of feel that that this started as something that was like exactly dick jokes in a small scale and you can mm-hmm. feel that they were like well shit we need to kind of keep rolling with this because people are fucking loving it and we've yeah. got a really good story to tell and really good characters to put out there you yeah. know i love the idea that as they went along with the story mm-hmm. they realized oh this is 
the perfect opportunity to talk about all the different like ty- well they don't touch on all yeah. but like they but they, they want to dabble in different like sexualities, sexualities and, yeah. and different um ideas of and of this was such what a perfect people platform. find attractive yeah. exactly yeah this is the perfect platform for this yeah because imagine writing a treatment about this for a television show this mm-hmm. will never get greenlit and it's only through the the um, success of the comic book that yeah. this is being optioned for a television show which i think is just ridiculous i yeah. really don't think this could be done in a median a visual medium that's going to be able to respect it because i mean the thing is is it's so sexual and mm-hmm. it's so nude forward i mean you have glowing dicks and yeah. kegel faced women and yeah. you know and all these little details that just i don't see happening on television. on television or yeah it puts emotion you know what would, i mean i think this would even be difficult to do at somewhere like hbo yeah, where they obviously show sex and stuff this like would that. be difficult to do animated in my opinion yeah. you know no, like, that's very true and still like you know leaning into all the sexuality and stuff you know like there's yeah. just so much nuance in this comic and the way it's drawn and the ideas that it represents that i really feel like that if it didn't it, it, there's just no way it could be put to screen right you the, know the idea of it being translated onto any medium like yeah. you were saying is it feels like it's going to be an immediate disservice. Yeah, I mean, to this it's, comic exactly. Book. It's not going to be able to get the point across that the comic. Right. You know what I mean? The only reason that this comic succeeds is because it's no hold back. You know what I mean? Exactly. No, nothing held back. You know, no bars held. Yeah, it's it's um yeah. I mean, because we you kind of. I don't think we see any like true like penetration or anything like I think that's the idea of pornography yeah. is like whenever it's hardcore pornography yeah. that's when you see full penetration. Actual penetration yeah. yeah and and I don't think we see that in the story Not really. but we see so much outward like exposure of yeah. all of these objects that it, it it is pornographic in a lot of ways yeah i mean and, it, and pornographic in in you know uh the term of like uh it's beautiful yeah. you know what i mean like not so much like it's perverted no but. yeah i mean definitely and i mean it's and it's the thing is is it's so full of like comedic little yeah. notes of like you know <laughs> yeah. what i mean like how could they do come world the store yeah. you know what i mean like the uh, this apple store of dildos you know what yeah. i mean like <laughs> it's just things like that but um i think this exists so beautifully as a comic book and yeah. you know um and it, it works so great with chip zadarsky's you know draw, art you know what yes, i mean i think yeah, it, I and agree. i love that he took you know these images and these people from real people we get yeah. to see you know at the end of the comics the inspiration that he took these these people from you know yeah. Susie and john are like real friends of his that he was like hey i'm just gonna draw you in this <laughs> book just fucking all the time <laughs> <laughs> um how do you feel about the origin stories of our main characters, these two origin stories. When you were first reading it, were you involved? Were you like, wow, this is, this is, I'm, I'm getting. I mean, lot. it dives right into it. Yeah. I mean, basically, page one, you're learning, you know, Susie's pretty much tragic history in like a semi comedic kind of way. And it does such a great job of keeping the drama and the comedy right on the same line. Yeah. You know what I mean? Always kind of keeping you funny. And even times when they feel like they're being too serious, they basically make the joke like, okay, we need to, you know, calm down a little bit, yeah. and make this a little bit more funny because we're being, you know, this wasn't a very funny it's a issue. Little too serious. Yeah, yeah. this is a too serious of an issue. Um, but I really, yeah, I think that they do a great job giving us characters that are, are struggling, you know what I mean? That have genuine problems that are, you, I mean, you, you you connected so well with John yeah. for like the littler reasons to even connect with them. You yeah, know what I mean? Even like the sexual reasons. Yeah. Or like the big scale, like, you know what I mean? Oh, it's struggles like, with love. And, yeah. And, you know or, what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like the little things of like, I mean, the fact that you could read about this disorder and be like, holy shit. And recognize it in yourself is like, shows that this book is amazing about, you know, representing these issues in ways that are 
obviously real or yeah. like how you know they would or actually be resonate with people yeah then they can resonate with you that's so. something that i find extremely extraordinary about this book mm-hmm. is that yep. the idea that that sex is such a, a taboo topic mm-hmm. a lot of the time and for it's already one thing to parade in a writer to be able to write so many voices so well mm-hmm. and and really make them feel like they are their own distinct individual people, people but yeah. then also talk about something so extremely vulnerable and and taboo and like unknowable sometimes as sex for all of these different people because yeah. over the course of these issues we learn deep pretty deeply about you know, a good five to eight characters, mm-hmm. we get very good insight on their lives. And their, like, mean? sexual life, not just their sexual lives, but, like, yeah, their personal their backgrounds lives. and why they feel the way they feel, yeah. And so that's something that I, like, sometimes I'd read, I'd reread Hawkeye, and I'd be like, mm, I don't feel like the dialogue really matches up the right way that he intended it to to meet mm-hmm. here with Matt Fraction. But for this book, I really feel like Matt Fraction knew exactly the voice that he wanted to capture for each character. Definitely. And that's I I want to parade it. And it's like the difference between writing a character that's already pre designed and writing someone who is yours personally. Yeah, you know what no, I mean? For sure. Yeah, no, it that's something that I want to parade this book around for yeah. for so for so much for so long is that this really does feel like a TV show that was that had a full writers room that's mm-hmm. like oh my sister struggles with this yeah. I know exactly that's how to so write true. You know yeah. I mean? or like I had a girlfriend that told me all about this I know exactly how to write this but it's just a couple of dudes because yeah. I'm sure Probably Chip basing it on their friends yeah. yeah I'm sure Chip had a lot of insight because there's even scenes in this book where they have conversations yeah. on the phone about how to. Uh, really truly unfold the story the fourth wall breaking in this comic is phenomenal if y'all ever want to feel like you are really like in the being very personally connected with the writer and artist that you're reading this is the book to do that too because sure they talk right to you (laughs) all the time and it feels so great you know what i mean and it's so funny so it's such a good personal comic in the way that they really yeah i mean this was these guys baby you know what i mean and you can see that i know you mentioned before that or you know in our previous Uh talk about this that they uh didn't come out very consistently you know what i mean the comic books kind of came out however they kind of needed to and when they came out and that's such a good I mean, I think that's great because it shows that they were taking the time to make sure that this was perfect. You know yes. what I mean? It was exactly what they wanted and they weren't going to let fucking image or anybody rush them into making this this thing that was obviously so personal mm-hmm. to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think that is what will make this timeless. You yeah, know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. No, for sure. I think that this book is, I think this book is very important mm-hmm. in the the grander scheme of like, um, stories that can be told through this medium that is comic books. Yeah. Because, of course, like, it, it has a, a thousand tropes that it wants to walk you through, but it's it's also... Um, we talked about it this in, in our first yeah. go-around, but it, it's, it's stigma-breaking. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's, like, something that seems so hard to talk about to people, like, these people are outwardly talking to you about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. And it, I love it, dude. It's so good. It breaks the stigma of sex, for sure. And it's yeah. something that I think the whole world kind of, or especially our country, at least, really yeah. needs. You know, like, everybody in America needs to read sex criminals so yeah, they can be a little more comfortable with sexuality as a whole. Our country is, like, a very weirdly super sex and also like don't show sex ever exactly. you know what i mean like the, our country is so weird about it only show it at the appropriate times <laughs> <laughs> um but let's talk about 
all the characters that we meet. Yeah, in this I was going to say, I feel like there's just no way we're even going to be able to get into the full story and scale yeah. of this because so much goes on in this. We comic can just book. talk about how so, we really felt about and how we like, felt our, and, our and, these, and the characters, like yes. you said. You know what I mean? Because I feel like that's what resonates from this comic is the characters. It's what's going you're going to think about mm-hmm. walking away from it. You're going to be like, God, I wonder what Susie's up to now. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wonder what Kegelface is doing. You know? Let's talk about Kegelface. Yeah. So there Myrtle. is. That we are set up with the idea that John and Susie will become sex criminals because mm-hmm. the book is called Sex Criminals and they freeze time and they throw the idea of robbing banks because John works at the bank yeah. and Susie's dad worked at that same or died and worked at the same bank. And they want to rob the banks to get the money to save her library. Pretty simple, you yes. know. Yeah. Basically, up, just but... steal the money, pay them back to not have the yeah. bank foreclose on the library. And that's like the moral gray area of it is like we're taking the money from the bank, but then we're giving it right back to the bank. Yep. So they're not losing anything. <laughs> um, but uh, immediately we are learned of the opposition. And it is a organization of three people. There is Bud, the bus driver, mm-hmm. Kegelface, which is the head of, of the operation for the first half or so of this book. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Cooper. And Sex Batman. Cooper, yeah, Sex Batman. <laughs> that is, that's the joke that they make because Cooper Badal is a multi-billionaire. Yeah, I mean, he's rich is yeah. the point we get across. He owns yeah. the bank is what I'm saying. I think, yeah, yeah. He, he owns the bank. And so he is like the the bank role mm-hmm. for the operation because the idea is that there's only a few people that can go into the quiet mm-hmm. and they all have different names for it. Uh, what was the one that we, so got? there's the frozen place, the frozen place, come world and yeah. the quiet. I those think are, are the, the three, three names we get throughout. There's a couple of other ones, but those are the three ones that are probably said mm-hmm. the most. Yeah. And, um, let's just call it the quiet just mm-hmm. to keep it, Nice and tidy. I love the moment where we hear all those names and everybody gets a kind of a reaction yeah. to each other's names. And they're like, that's what he called them. That's <laughs> fucking gross. Um, but there's only like a handful of people that can even go into this place. Mm-hmm. And we're met with three people immediately. And so Cooper Badal's in like this gimp suit. They're, they look incredible, first and foremost. They, they're in white glowing outfits. And Cooper's in like this full mask thing. And it's I think that that's a very good idea right out the bat because yeah. later we don't know who he is you well, know what i mean? think it's even for his it's kind of like he really is sex batman yeah because he is obviously a more relevant face out of the three of them where one's a bus driver the other one is a secretary at the police department yeah. he's actually a known figure so he would want to hide his kind of face exactly. if he was going to be involved in this group yeah and so uh kegel face who mm-hmm. also is named what's what's her myrtle actual? myrtle um what's her last name it's a plant myrtle See, we should have written all this shit down fuck how come i can't remember myrtle's name and it's david glass i think now i'm trying to remember all the names myrtle spurge okay spurge that's a so, plant yeah myrtle spurge they say that in the comic book like the plant you know um she is kegel face she's the head of the operation mm-hmm. and, and she has like a real need for authority yeah like she that's the whole reason why they kind of come together yeah is because they don't want the uh, the world to know about the quiet. They don't yeah. want the world to know that they there, exist. There is a sect of people that can stop time when they orgasm because they're worried they're going to be like dissected and like exactly. experimented on. Exactly. Um, and so 
we see them and they're our first opposition. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And throughout the book, we learn more and more about them. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like we learn a lot of Cooper's backstory and we mm-hmm. learn a lot of Myrtle's backstory. And their and, motivations for why they're choosing to do these things, which exactly. yeah, are not what we expect from right at the beginning, I guess, huh? I don't think we learn too much about Bud's backstory. Mm-mm. He's one of the ones that we kind of don't learn too much about. Yeah, and the, <laughs> they kind of, yeah, Bud is just one of those kind of characters that like falls a little bit by the wayside and yeah. that actually gets brought up later on yeah yeah, where they're kind of like yeah we kind of didn't give these characters enough backstory time in the (laughs) time in the sun so um but through the the sex police Mm -hmm. um our sex criminals are able to infiltrate them and find out about a whole slew of people um let me just go down the list a little bit. Yeah, let's hear. Let's hear. I, I think it's seven people in total. We find yeah. out, including There's our mains. Anna. What is? Do you remember her last name? It's Jasmine Saint Cocaine. Oh, Anna Kincaid. Anna Kincaid. And then there's Bud, of course. Yeah. Um, let me see. Uh, there is Douglas Dewey Douglas, who is the um, he's the person that works at like the the home. Yeah, he like works at like a like a care facility for right. like the elderly. You right. Know? Because... He he has to get off by wearing anime masks. Yeah, he has to do like <laughs> weird hentai shit. Yeah, and anime yeah. shit to get off, which is and then is also probably the most powerful of everybody in yeah. this comic book, but in a way that we don't totally get to see explored more than just one really insane time. <laughs> and then we have Alex, who is asexual, mm-hmm. and then we have. Todd Stubaker, mm-hmm. who is the he makes those little hum, yeah, homunculus little. like little figures that he throws under people's heels. That to me is super tragic for me. Like there is, I I feel like I have this weird thing where I feel terrible for people who have to. The only way they can get off is like if someone shits on Abuse, their chest, yeah. or something. You know what I mean? Like something truly where it's like that is insane. It's going to be impossible for you to find true love because you will never be able to have that full sexual commit or connection with somebody because you want something outlandish yeah, all to, the time to yeah. most of society. You know what I mean? And so one of those, I mean, stiletto heels is what it comes down to. Yeah, is that he likes being stepped on with stilettos but then also feeling the affectionate like nurture oh yeah, yeah afterwards like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which Poor baby yeah. stuff like that breaks my heart like i i have a soft spot for stuff like that mm-hmm. for some reason but regardless it's because it's like it's psychological trauma that's put on to these people as children right. and so it's yeah. like knowing where it comes from exactly yeah. is- that's that's what it comes down to mm-hmm. but there's there's this whole group of people that they're trying to get together to like get back at the bank yeah. and get back at um the sex police because mm-hmm. Cooper Bedall like sends the notice to the library that that he starts trying to fucking save. with them basically yeah. yeah like hey don't worry about it. you saved enough money that you're good and then knocks down the library anyways what a fucking bastard <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah we're just met with all these characters um we're kind of breezing through it a little bit, but okay. there's Rachel and Robert Rainbow, mm-hmm. and then we learn about Robert Rainbow's backstory. Mm-hmm. Like even people who don't go into the quiet, we learn about their sexual yeah, backstory. There's such a great, exactly. There's such a great slew of characters, and I feel like everybody's sexuality is explored in a different way. You know yeah. what I mean? We don't have any two characters in this comic that have match necessarily matching sexualities as well. Yeah, everybody exactly. kind of has to get off in their own way. It's like the hilarious thing with. You know, uh, Jasmine St. Cocaine is that, you know, the best time she ever got off was when it literally they put 
of dildo insider and then both hands and jerked <laughs> off of insider we see her telling that story twice she yeah. gives us an in-detail story and then later on we hear her telling it, and then they're like oh my god both we just hear the reaction of oh my god both hands and she's yeah. like she was a pioneer <laughs> she's like crying <laughs> so everybody's got like their insane sexual needs and i yeah. think robert rainbow is such a good in-depth look at like how somebody like that could There's, be very insecure that in one's spite like of... extremely like relevant i feel yeah like because like, i feel like there's probably a lot of people that have experienced this mm -hmm. this specific you know struggle struggle with sex because mm -hmm. he walks in on his parents like pegging mm -hmm. the dad his mom pegging his dad and it changes like his idea of sex forever mm -hmm. you know what i mean and and that's something that this book talks about yeah. and, and gives it to you. And then we see him kind of like arc over it at exactly. the same time. You know what I we mean? We see him grow past it truly. You know what I mean? And I mean the, his struggle with Rachel and the fact that she's obviously a much more sexually experienced person with him. I've, that's a real struggle that I assume yeah. a lot of people go through, you know what yeah. I mean? And so it was, I thought that was such a nice yeah, thing to get to see him kind of grow truly as a character very much on the sidelines though yeah. you know what i mean like it wasn't so directly seen we just kind of see him obviously accept it and grow through it yeah. through time you know what i mean how do you so. feel about their relationship as a whole rachel and robert rainbow i was happy to see rachel get somebody i know it sounds <laughs> silly but i was like rooting for rachel i was like yeah. she deserves a good man and robert rainbow's perfect you know what i mean yeah, like that was like, he's a great man and i like that it basically used her life and her experiences is a way to make him grow instead of like the other way around, you know, yeah. or she was like, I don't need to this sex, this sex driven life anymore. You know, like, well, even on top of that, she is perfectly comfortable with having that history. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? At the, at the end of the, the, the day, it's not like, Oh, you should feel ashamed for what you've done. Exactly. It's more like he should, learn to accept what yeah. is real you know or, what I mean? the, or it's like it's somebody she had to grow past you know exactly. what i mean become something beyond that you know right. what i mean yeah. like no, it yeah. was like her darker days or something <laughs> it's, not, it's never reflected as that you exactly. know which is like, so healthy and awesome you know? yeah um let's take a quick break and then when we come back we'll talk more about sex criminals <laughs> <laughs> Uh. Oh, you're recording this? <laughs> I didn't know you were recording this. Mmm. 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 This is where Mark Rivier would be like, yeah. And he'd like do his voice like that and he'd have it bounce back. Hey guys, welcome back to Who Watches the Watchers? Oh. Okay, we're still trying to figure out the soundboard. I don't know how much of that's going to end up in the episode. Well, I just wanted to record it just so you had that saved, you know what I mean? That was loud as hell. That was loud for you? No, the clapping. Oh. Go to bed. <laughs> Slurpy good. Slurpy good. Raise the eye rock. Clean your room. <laughs>
I can't believe you've done this. I like it. Hey guys. <laughs> That's Jeff Goldblum. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> He's scatting. <laughs> um let's talk about sex criminals. Yeah, hey guys. Welcome back to <laughs> Who watches the watchers? Yeah, we just All had right. some pizza. Yeah, we just had some pizza, and, and now we're finishing up sex criminals. Some sexual criminals, old <clears throat> Susie and John. Susie and John. We last talked about Rachel and Robert Rainbow, mm-hmm. and um, how their growth mm-hmm. was very, like, very cool to watch yeah. in in the story because that's one thing that you don't see a lot in stories is you always see the character kind of. Well, you most of the time see the character arc in the right direction. Yeah. Because Robert Rainbow, Rainbow, Rainbow <laughs> could have has easily just been like, uh, no, I can't do it. Yeah, I'm going to deal with this shit. <laughs> I can't grow up. I'm not going to be able to be with you. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but instead, you know, we see him grow up properly, which is very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about Jasmine St. Cocaine okay. a little bit. Anna Kincaid. Mm-hmm. She is, in my opinion, probably kind of like our third main, mm-hmm. really, in a lot I, of ways. Because she's really a big part of the reason, yeah, a lot of things happen and um, has so much, you know, she's such a meta throughout the kind of story. And this yeah. is exactly, she's like John's first sexual experience, like, yes. you know, he's like the first woman he'd learn to love. And uh, you know, Sue's even kind of like looks like her a little bit, you know. So it's like, I think it's funny that she becomes such an important character when she was like iconicized for even us, you know, yeah. so early on in the story is like this sexual, like, because she's, yeah, she's a icon. pornographic actress and mm-hmm. an icon. Um, that's, that's something that strangely rings, rings true is that sometimes you'll just find porn out in the woods. Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird? Well, yeah, it exists. It's like anything. There's just so much of it. And I think back in a time where there was like more like physical porn, like yes, that, when there was like yeah. por- magazines, you know, magazines and things like that. Or... And, and it was something to be like hidden or squirreled away. You mm-hmm. know, you're bound to find it in like the squirreliest of places, you know, exactly. So, did I ever I'm... tell you about um, one time uh, a friend of ours, it was a friend of Stevens, uh-huh. gave us a nug of weed in oh. middle school? To hold on to because his parents were going to search him when he got home. And I was terrified. Was this Jesus? <laughs> I'm not going to say who it was. <laughs> it was not Jesus. <laughs> I'm just trying to guess who this would have been. Anyway, okay. Um, but he gave us a nug of weed uh-huh. to hold on to. And I was so scared of it that I was like, Stephen, we have to hide this. Like, outside of the house. It was my literal first time ever seeing marijuana. drugs. <laughs> And drugs in general. <laughs> drugs, period. Seeing it in person, I was terrified to touch it. It was, um, we were in eighth grade. Stephen was in seventh grade. I was very sheltered before I moved here so with my Where dad. was I during this t- time? You were, you know, you just I went know. home. <laughs> I'm bummed I missed this fun weed excursion. <laughs> but we hid it in the ditch past our house. Wow. We hid it in, a, like, an abandoned... Um, like little styrofoam coffee cup. Oh, okay. And we hid it out there and we just left it there. And so finally this guy who asked us to hold on to it for him, he came and he was like, Can I can I pick it up now? And I was like, Yeah, it's in the ditch. And he's like, What? He was like freaking out. Yeah. He like, was bummed. Yeah. Oh. He was sad that like we didn't just hold on to it. And so we took him to where it was and it was damp. 
like the weed was dead. Yeah. So it was like next to ruined. Oh, well. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's yeah. ways to like dry it out and not. But a bunch of eighth graders wouldn't know that. <laughs> exactly. 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 And so like thinking about like just the weird things that we could find mm-hmm. out in the woods, like I've definitely hidden things out in the woods. I can understand a kid getting their hand on some porn. Well, like true story of my own little back in the day uh-huh. <laughs> um i mean sex was like a little criminalized in my household it was definitely uh-huh. for me something that like yeah like boobs or something to see that was like super inappropriate you know what i mean like it was yeah. like you don't go near those you know and yeah. so like to watch titanic was like very like oh I'm doing something is, wrong yeah there's a like, sex scene in titanic yeah, yeah. Well, and uh where she draw he draws her and she yeah. lays down fully nude you know um but and so that i always hadn't had that mentality growing up of like this is something to be like negatively ashamed of mm-hmm. and but um i was in our garage and found like a little calendar <clears throat> i guess my dad had squirreled away that was oh, like wow. different months with different like nude women on it and uh-huh. i like was so ashamed to have even like found it and was like freaking out i like threw it away <laughs> i like threw it away <laughs> <laughs> it, like wasn't even mine i just my dad was like where the fuck that calendar go you know or something but i literally like freaked out so much on it i was like nope and i just like instantly like threw it in the trash and i was so paranoid probably like nine or ten okay yeah that makes sense yeah because we had i was definitely still like in like late elementary or something Uh, my brothers and i we had i mean and you probably definitely knew we had one magazine (laughs) that was a pornographic magazine that was at the time of seeing it kind of terrifying for Mm -hmm. me to see and we also had like a hustler or something, wasn't it? It was no, it was even trashier. It was even that trashier. Than it was that, like it was. I, don't I mean, know you don't it get called. much trashier than hustler, but no, I mean, this was like like it was just hardly, called like XXX or something. Yeah, <laughs> no, this was hardly like a notable publication. Um, <laughs> I'm sure the publisher would be offended. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there was there's I'm gonna get a little graphic here. Yeah, there yeah. was a a photograph in yeah. the in the porn in the mm-hmm. magazine of a woman like holding open her vagina Mm -hmm. and the idea of being able to see wide open into a person terrified me for a long time (laughs) for a long time and so uh i know that we also had like a vhs of like the adams family oh god you remember i do remember We have been friends for life is something to understand about us. We've known I've known his stepbrother since kindergarten. Yeah. We've known each other since the third grade. Yes. So we grew up right down the street from each other. And so, yeah. yeah, we all, you know, it's intimate. But no, I definitely remember that fucking okay, VHS that, tape. That VHS tape, I was wonder, a nightmare. it's truly terrifying. It is truly horrifying. Yeah. I think Ron Jeremy's in it. I believe it. It's it's literally disgusting. Yeah. Was, I don't understand why it ever existed or why it was but the it one was porn the only had. thing we had. It was the Where only thing. Where is that tape now, do you think? Oh, God. It's long gone, I'm sure. It's probably with, I think it was in like a TV VHS combo like oh, okay. unit. And I think it's just wherever that ended up being. <laughs> God damn. I swear to God, that thing terrifies me to mm-hmm. this to this day. I can't imagine finding it again <laughs> and watching it. I would be terrified. I know. I'm a little curious. <laughs> I'm a little curious just to see, you know, once again. Do you think we like, could find that on the internet? I'm like, sure we could, especially if if the Ron Jeremy is an accurate thing, then I'm very confident I'm we could probably sure find it. pretty sure that was Ron Jeremy because mm-hmm. I just I remember, remember the, what is the cousin it? Oh. They, I, there was like a whole cousin it part of that, and dude, that's what haunts there's me. There's parts of it that I, 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 I don't Can't think I- your brain? I don't think I watched it from- more than three consecutive seconds like honestly i would always have to be like i can't i can't, can't do look this at anymore this. Yeah. i can't look at this 
And it, so, like, to look at this book, which is in the vastly opposite direction. <laughs> a positive of, sexual. Yeah, exactly. Representation. Exactly. It's like, fuck, I think I would rather have my kids stumble upon this book before true porn pornography especially mm. pornography from like the late oh. 90s early 2000s holy we grew, shit we grew up with some pretty crazy <laughs> shit yeah like i feel like maybe the 70s porn pornography was maybe more classy than yeah. a lot of what we saw growing up yeah the 90s that kind of like <clears throat> decided to just let everything go and just <laughs> lean was, into ev- oh doing all God. kinds of crazy it's the movie parodies right yeah. i think <laughs> is where we're haunted by <laughs> definitely around the time of like the adam's family returns kind of movies and shit like that god damn it dude god damn it oh my goodness but uh, let's get back on track to this (laughs) i'm glad we got off track this is such a fucking crazy thing we both remember that no but john finds pornography in the woods Mm -hmm. and it's a photo of jasmine saint cocaine (laughs) when we saw this in the story i had no idea that she would become a relevant player later on and so to tell her origin story and then show that oh this is the actress that was in the photograph Mm -hmm. and then to see her turn into what she ends up being which is like this revered professor you yeah. know what i mean i was like holy shit they really turned around the idea or the 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 conception mm-hmm. the p- public conception of what a porn porn actress would be like and i think the kind of the issue with her like having to like <clears throat> relocate jobs and stuff was based on a real event where i think that happened where it was like a big there was like a tenured college right. professor and then it like came out that like it's like one student just happened to recognize her and it came out so she ended up it was like a big controversy right. and she ended up having to relocate um schools and it was like a big topic of like was that appropriately handled you know what yeah. i mean like should these people be allowed to have lives after their lives you know and what side of the gavel do you come down on when I'm it comes pe- to that people are people and we all have had we all have jobs you know what i mean in mm-hmm. a career at one point you know shouldn't uh define your entire life but it's like the it's like the curse of putting yourself out there on screen you know what i mean yeah. it's like a digital that digital medium and how th- dangerous it is to put your face out there to the public because once it's there you can never kind of undo it you right know what i mean hey, do you know that song the she's my cherry pie yeah. okay so that it, is from the band um, eat an apple i only eat cherry pie. <laughs> i believe it's from warrant let me double check yeah um but that song yeah it's from warrant the lead singer of warrant his name is let me try to find it he he wrote that song last minute because they the record label that they were putting the album out on yeah. said, hey, have you heard of Bon Jovi? There's some real great pop rock that he's putting out. Can you give us something like that? And so the lead singer of Warrant regarded himself as like a... Like a real artist, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. He wasn't in it to like give out like For the money, yeah, exactly. And so let me make sure I'm trying to find. They're like, we need more food themed songs. Can you give us something? He's like, <laughs> I got, I got a cherry pie song in my my arsenal. I'm trying to find him himself. Let me see, where is he? She's my apple pie. Do you think he tried different pies? <laughs> he like to figure Try. out which one really worked. I'm trying to find out where what his name is. She's my pecan pie. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, where is he? Where is his name? Where is the singer of Warrant? A little Let bit of cinnamon makes me cry, yeah. It's so hard to type while also doing a podcast. She's my chocolate pie. 
I'm just thinking about different pies. This okay, Warren. his name was Janie Lane. I should have known that. It should have been Warren. <coughs> Warren from Warrant. <laughs> Jamie Lane? Ja- Janie Lane. Janie Lane. Yeah. And so the record label contacted him and was like, we need a poppier song on this album. Be Jovi. Can you be Jovi? And so he's like, I'll get my Jovi on right now. <laughs> and so I think the legend goes, he wrote it within like two days. My ch- er, Like Cherry yeah. Pie, put it on the album, it went out. And the song blew up. It was like their number one song for so long. And <clears throat> the lead, like the way it goes is he hated the song. I believe it, yeah. Because it wasn't a proper representation of his yeah. like, creation. It was like his sellout song. So, of course, it was the one that went big, you know? Right, exactly. And so he eventually killed himself. He died, I think it was like... I think it was, yeah, 2011. And he died because he was sick of being the cherry pie guy. People would be like, oh, cherry pie, you know? Like, whenever they meet him. That's awful. No, no, but like, and so it comes down to the idea of like, like, there are always going to be demons with what you create. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, like, it's, it's hard to judge people on the only thing that they can ever be known about yeah. you know what i mean and so that's that's i think that comes down with like porn actresses who go on to or even actors yeah anybody working in the sex industry that go on to do something else and change their lives in a momentous way regardless if it's in you know regret or anything you yeah. know what i mean and so like the idea of like someone getting fired from their professor like tenure mm-hmm. is crazy because they say they, because someone recognized him from something they did exactly 25 30 years before yeah and so it's just like that's that's heartbreaking mm-hmm. and so like for it to be like this scene in this comic book to be based in some sort of reality is is a true bummer mm-hmm. you know what i mean like i i wish it was more i wish more people could read this book like we were raving about in the first yeah, half where it's like exactly. let's try to destigmatize this whole like and they i mean that it's just it this comic book is i mean exactly it destigmatizes porn stars it, you know what i mean mm-hmm. it like it shines a light into basically it's like they were like okay let's think of every sexual topic we can bring <laughs> up and talk about in this book and bring like a positive light to yeah. and they're like all right porn stars and their lifestyle after you know being a porn star yeah. you know exactly what is going to happen if you see your dad getting pegged and when you're a kid you know yeah. like if you were rejected you know yeah love as a child you're going to grow up throwing weird little dolls so they get stepped on <laughs> under people you know there's yeah. just so much that they thought about and like wanted to like show these real things that people go through and there are things that are like things nobody really ever wants to talk about you know yeah. what i mean these are things you talk to your therapist about and that's if you even have one you know yeah. and so i think that's amazing there there's people who will find resonate with this book maybe in like weirder ways than any of us else yeah. would but that's great you know it I, yeah. I hope some weirdos can read this book and be like holy shit there's other fucking weirdos like me out there you know <laughs> and feel at least a little bit better about yeah. that you know um uh let me think i think it's funny that the first instance that we get with todd stubaker mm-hmm. or the first like hint at his existence is rachel steps on one of his dolls far before he's introduced oh yeah you know what i mean she's, she's like, like oh, i stepped on that? some weird do- like dong doll <laughs> and she like threw it in the trash you know what I mean? like, we get to see him later on being like oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the background of that situation <laughs> um let's talk about david glass mm-hmm. the therapist the therapist that yeah. um john eventually goes to because he's basically very attached to 
Annika and Kate as well. Yeah, they're kind of two hand in hand characters. Yeah, and so he is a therapist. He's one of my favorite characters in mm-hmm. this book because even though he is there specifically to help people and help you know John, one of our main characters, he also struggles with a lot of things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Especially later on when it becomes a love triangle between him and uh, Kegelface, yeah, <laughs> uh, Myrtle and Annika Kincaid. And Kincaid. Um, I was half expecting the three of them to be like a polyamorous like mm-hmm. thing. You I know what I mean? Thought it would maybe go there at the same times too, but I think that we always kind of got the hint that like Annika Kincaid was like not necessarily not being sexually like gratified, but it was like something that she was like kind of over at this point you know what i mean and like remember a big struggle with her relationship with david is she's worried that he will only ever be able to see her as the porn star that she was and i liked that we see that she gets that anxiety through once he's kind of like done messing around with her and she's like oh well see i told you this shit was going to happen but we kind of know that that's in reality not actually what's going on you know and i thought that was like also once again it's just so real and accurate because that's how those anxieties portray themselves like he wouldn't want to admit why he's feeling the way he is and so she would just manifest the reason she obviously believed it would occur you know what i mean and so yeah i really like david glass as a character and i liked that he's like our one non-quiet user that gets to kind of be part of the group you know what i mean and so there's a lot of moments where he's just like i don't know what the fuck's going on but (laughs) (laughs) no yeah definitely. i'm here for the party you know and i like that they gave him like this obsession with like roller skating i know it sounds silly but i fucking love that his answer to a lot of problems is let's go to the fucking roller rink and just skate it out (laughs) i think that that is kind of hinted like fourth wall breaking that um i think there's a line somewhere there where they say like it's better than having the same conversation at the same diner every you know like like it's more exciting for chip to draw Draw it out yeah yeah, (laughs) than just like sitting at a diner like always um (laughs) let's talk about douglas douglas dewey Dewey. so dewey is like we mentioned in the first half he's like a caretaker because of his grandmother yeah Yeah. i think it's his mom or his mom even Yeah. yeah and so he his whole sexual kink is that he has to wear what is essentially like a sailor mercury mask Mm -hmm. i think it's mercury is the green one from sailor moon and he has to masturbate while wearing the mask and then like a terrifying like kaiju like half kaiju (laughs) half kaiju anime woman comes out of his jism jism (laughs) (laughs) and like metamorphosizes into like a like an octopus monster and like talks in like a weird backwards cum <laughs> language and yeah. like wants you to like be taken into its vagina you know what i mean like it was like the most terrifying thing in this comic and it's like why does his manifest like this yeah. everybody else is like jizz ghost or fucking you know yeah. like something along those lines and he literally manifests a monster yeah <laughs> i feel like there was a part of like them creating this character that like oh this will help in the big climax Mm -hmm. you know the big final scene and i i feel like the mood of where this book wanted to go shifted a lot yeah absolutely and and i think well because there was like literal time jumps where we would go months and months without getting another issue Mm -hmm. like we the royal we the public because we didn't read this issue to issue we read this collected collectively yeah but regardless, um, mm-hmm. this is this it, when you read it back to back to back to back like this, you really notice like, mm, it's kind of we're on kind of a swervy road yeah. where we're. I don't want to call it inconsistent, but you can exactly see the wild ride that yeah. the creative side of it was on. You know what right. I mean? And that's where a lot of the fourth wall breaking comes in. You know, it's like them having to basically explain like, all right, well, look, we only 
got 31 pages out of this one, so we needed to just create an extra page. So here we are fucking around so we can have our page count like we need, you know? Um, Um, How do you feel about Alex as a character? She, her whole origin story about, like, coming out mm -hmm. as asexual, how do you feel about that representation? I think it was probably also done incredibly well. And, uh, I mean, and her and sexual Gary is someone else we get who are essentially kind of, like, the opposite ideas, you know what I mean? It was, like, them wanting to explore someone who has absolutely no sexuality in them and then exploring someone who's... Insane. Insane sexuality. (laughs) All the sexuality. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, I really liked Alex's... uh, representation and it also makes sense on why she would get off the way that she does it doesn't require another person it just requires almost like herself getting her own self to that point of excitement you know what i mean and that adrenaline rush and i love the scene where she jumps from the skyscraper and And hits and bounces off the ground it's one of my favorite panels from this whole comic because it's just so gorgeous and it takes advantage of the the art style and the Mm -hmm. coloring and really is like now that's a fucking dope power to get from fucking having an (laughs) orgasm you know what i mean (laughs) essentially invincibility if you think about it yeah no definitely and you know she is I think there is maybe an accidental, unless unless it's truly on purpose, there's kind of an under, underlining statement within her character where it's almost like they're saying she doesn't have sexuality or the the desire for sex blinding her mm-hmm. because she's always drawn or at least given off as like the, the most uh sane thinking person in the group yeah absolutely like she's the strongest willed almost Mm -hmm. you know the most not i want to say detached from it all but the one that can like take a step back and look at it from like a third point of view instead of being so invested in it yeah because like the idea is john and Susie are putting together this team to finally get back at cooper Mm -hmm. and she's like you guys are doing it all wrong Mm -hmm. you know and dewey's like her guy like douglas douglas he's somehow they know each other previously yeah we don't really get an explanation (laughs) on that but it's okay yeah but I mean, the only person from like them trying to put together this crew that doesn't join is Todd Stuber, the the one that gets off with yeah, stilettos. the one that runs off, and he has like a a hot dog truck. Do you remember? No, no. Oh, he has a hot dog truck that's like it sells like wide wieners oh, or something okay, like that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't realize that was him. I guess. <laughs> and he he escapes, yeah. but it looks like he died. And so I think I don't know. There wasn't a lot of closure with his. Character. Yeah, he kind of just disappears. Yeah. yeah, and so that's the another bummer about this book that I find is like I don't know. I don't know what it leaves a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah. that's just it. There's a lot of exactly like I mean the the giant hentai anime come monster is mm-hmm. a perfect example of like things that were like oh we can do this and it'll work out in the long run and then maybe later on they're like ah, actually we can't really can't yeah. do anything with that actually you know um i think i called him stuber i meant or did i say stubaker todd stubaker that's todd the stubaker. character oh that's the character the that, wide wiener character. we'll call him just wide wiener <laughs> um uh, <laughs> uh, but uh i think this, these sound buttons are basically just for us <laughs> yeah no they for for sure are um so where where do we go from here? So Cooper ends up being the main antagonist. Yeah, in the end. we find out that he's basically been the main antagonist kind of the whole time. Yeah, and I mean, really, yeah, we what we think the sex police's plan or you know mission is, at the end of the day is to um, 
stop the people from the finding out about idea them. Yeah, of the quiet. But what we really kind of find out is that he's actually been kind of harnessing. Well, not only he's been trying to locate all of these people so that he can harness their power, and right. he's created these little discs where he can like slip them onto them personally, mm-hmm. and so it was slowly but surely absorbed this strange energy. Yeah. We come to learn that they use in order to enter the quiet. You know, yeah. and he's wanting to do that to time travel. Fucking time travel. That was the perfect drop. I didn't. I was like, I gotta press a button. <laughs> so now we're time traveling, yes. which is crazy. And we learned that he is obsessed with this idea because somehow, some way, Susie visited him. Yes, as a child. Yeah, yeah. she time. So we we th- that's the thing she struggles with is like. Why don't I have a superpower? Yeah. Because everybody kind of has their own weird little thing. Like, like Kegel face can just turn it on and off. It will, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so she's kind of bummed that she doesn't have a glowing vagina or something. And I think what it turns out is that she's got that, basically. Yeah. That she can essentially can reach a point that allows her to travel seamlessly through time is even what I would call it. She's not necessarily traveling backwards or forwards so much as like displacing herself from right. it and can look through it almost like a book, you know? No, uh, and, but when, yeah, so the big climax is, and, and we see it play out in a very interesting way, I think. Mm-hmm. There's no, like, big final fight or anything. It's basically just Badal, like, going to his machine. Antonio. Antonio. Which is just a giant vacuum cleaner. I Should really we? don't understand <laughs> why he needed all this resource to build a giant five-suck vacuum cleaner. <laughs> um, can we talk about his, like, how he gets off, yeah. like, to go into the quiet? He has to get off by humiliating Yeah, people. he's the opposite. He's the person you'd probably hate because yes. he has to abuse in order to get off, not yeah. just be abused. <laughs> and that's, I think, the biggest no-no when it comes to sexual things Mm -hmm. like i you know people have all kinds of crazy kinks like shit like people like shit people like piss people like you know very odd things but not torture but it's when it comes to self-harm or harm of others or especially animals Mm -hmm. and obviously underage people um but it's it's when it's harm that's where it's like, that's where you got to draw the line with your kink. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so for it to be psychological, for it to be physical, like, that's where I'm like, yeah, this makes sense. This is what the bad guy of this comic book would, would be. Do, yeah. It would be the guy that that likes hurting people, and that's how he gets off. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is the first guy he, he hurt and, and got off to was Antonio, yeah. a man named Antonio. And so that's why he names his machine Antonio. Um but then we also learned that the more and intense he did it, he could time travel. Yeah. He could jump a little bit into the future and then come back. And it's how he had managed to become like a successful businessman is that he'd like been able to see like a successful, yeah, stock or something in the yeah. future. <laughs> I'm going to say something to you right now. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, so, but yeah, no. So he saw like that stocks were going to jump for this one company. So he went back in time and. And yeah. did that, you know. Um, oh, there you go. There, He's yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he invested and he became rich. Yes. And so... He says he did all this shit for Susie. And that, that's another thing that I was kind of interested in. What do you think he kind of means? Like, like... Because I think... He says he did it all for her and to get to this point. Right. But I mean, at, at the end of the day, it still we seems like it's more for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we don't physic. We don't see it in real time. Because mm-hmm. obviously, Susie travels like the whole circle of time. Mm-hmm. If we're going to go with like how Matthew McConaughey and True Detective describes it. Yeah. She's able to see the full circle of time at <laughs> once. That. Yeah. 
And so you would. <laughs> and so she at some point must have visited um, you know, Badal. Badal right? because yeah. he sees her. We see his flashback where he sees her as like mm-hmm. this ethereal like specter. And so he thinks that she's some sort of sex god, goddess, Kinda. god. You know? <laughs> and, and I mean, truthfully, in the yeah. end, if you really do look at it as a full circle, yeah. yeah, she is. She is the sex god. Yeah. And so that's the idea is that he's trying to build this momentous thing mm-hmm. in the altar of her, but it is also for his own selfish gain. And it's it, almost like praying to God for you to get the good job. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. And something I can even like just thought about that I think is interesting is like maybe like when they did that and that explosion occurred and she kind of went through time, mm-hmm. maybe that's how everybody even got the ability to use the quiet was maybe her like oh, resonating energy through, the, out. through these people that would have later come into her life but it all basically led to this moment where they all got it you know what yeah. I mean it's like that is the moment <clears throat> where they all technically got the ability to enter the quiet but they, it's in the future it's like a yeah. weird time bubble you know what I mean but I think that would be like a good explanation on why we kind of have people a, came together and why, why we have a kind of a random sort why they feel random but they're kind of not but also why we once things happen and Cabal blows everything to hell no everyone's left without it you know what i mean it would make sense that this at the end of the day the starting point was always in the future you know what i mean no yeah i mean that that's a very cool way to look at it (laughs) because i mean that that's what kind of happens you know um but in the end she when the the machine antonio explodes and we don't ever see cooper again yeah and cooper badal i just want to for listeners who are we keep flipping the names (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) um he he disappears he is most likely dead but she is absorbed by the quiet mm-hmm. and in her absence in her presumed death everyone else who was able to go to the quiet before can no longer yeah and i thought that that was pretty cool and it's never explicitly said in the end if anyone else can ever go back to the quiet ever yeah again. which i think they can't i think that i think the, that's the, the idea yeah. yeah but i love the idea that um, obviously John goes through his whole downfall mm-hmm. once Susie disappears, but they mention that he never, he doesn't realize he can no longer enter the quiet oh, right. until he's already like in jail and stuff, which means that he was so kind of upset with her disappearance that he, yeah, he never even he tried didn't to even gas him after that. Yeah, he never tried to jerk off yeah. for basically months. Yeah. <laughs> until he was finally just chilling in jail. Yeah. Go to bed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I think that's kind of beautiful. And I yeah. love the, downfall that john goes through where it yeah. goes from being the the you know becomes the destructive disorder is what he renames yeah. it you know and he basically goes and just fucks yeah but entire house he goes in there to break every last every item. single thing is what i thought was a Dude, nice touch and honestly that's what i would literally do i feel like john besides his immaturity i feel like i like john resonates so much of a perfect fork compared mm-hmm. to mine you know what i mean his resonance of like his personality and how he reacts to things yeah but i love that he destroyed and i liked one thing we never really commented on was that throughout the book they constantly be like this fucking guy or this <laughs> yeah. fucking girl and i don't think that ever landed so hard for me until those moments in that book where she's like this fucking guy because he's literally destroying everything mm-hmm. for her but then when he gets to the books in the library he writes this book belongs to an asshole named <laughs> Kibar Badal yeah. in every single book and yeah. I thought this page literally kind of brought tears to my eyes a little bit yeah. I was like fuck like that's exactly like that's that's love you know what I mean yeah. like that is what he it is he couldn't it's, bring himself to destroy the books the one thing that Susie worked so hard to preserve exactly and I mean it's just yeah 
It's it's, it's fucking good. good. It's, it's good. so good. It's, it's really good, you know? It's very good. And it makes you really appreciate John as a character and how far he's come. You know what I mean? I and I think that moment was probably one of the most powerful for me in that uh Exactly. Like he just kind of you know, it's like this book is so sexually forward. Yeah. And then we get this whole part where John is I mean, doesn't he he doesn't jerk off once. I mean that's yeah. I know it sounds crazy to be like, he doesn't jerk off. I mean that's the point of the book. He is loves that, her so much. <laughs> he doesn't jerk off for months. <laughs> but that's the point, and it's what makes this part so powerful, is yeah. that it's like because that's all we see throughout the whole thing is everything's so sexual. Everything's like sex, yeah. exactly. And so this is the one moment that's not anymore. He's not shitting in his boss's plant, he's fucking his house up because yeah. the love of his life is gone, you know? Like it's good. It's, it's good. It's good. And we, he believes, everyone believes that Susie's dead, mm-hmm. but really she's out in the time sphere traveling. And, um, and then we come to the end of the book where she comes back. Mm-hmm. He, he basically brings her back, is what yeah. she kind of even admits. He like wills her back through like desire, you know? Yeah. And then I love that the book jumps from issue 30 to issue 69 mm-hmm. <laughs> and i know and it, it said yeah, I a guess lot it's like five years later if you had to guess right yeah i mean it took them what like seven years to do 30 issues yeah. I don't i'm know. just saying because like rachel has like she's like oh, has right. two children and is pregnant with another Good so call. i'm guessing like how many years have maybe passed between issue 30 and issue 69 no, that's very true yeah so it has to have been over five years mm-hmm. and the idea is that yeah like if we if they had con- Consecu- consecutively released the the issues on time with how they aged <laughs> by the 69th issue this is where the, all of these people these would things be. would have been <laughs> and so we see the marriage between uh dewey and douglas doug yeah. uh douglas and uh bud bud river the bus driver basically the identical characters we yeah. get mixed up the whole comic <laughs> <laughs> i i have to believe that that was a complaint that they got a lot like yeah. oh these characters look too much alike i couldn't tell who was who yeah they were like we have to make them meet and best of all they fall in love <laughs> and so we go to their wedding in the 69th issue mm-hmm. and it's revealed kind of like a fuck you that they're not together. Mm-hmm. Susie and John aren't together. And it was kind of confusing because I was like, oh, is Chip drawing him weird? You know, because she's there. She's with a guy. With yeah. a guy named Guy. And I was like, is that him? Am I supposed to believe that that's him? Like, yeah. what's happening here? <laughs> and so, sure enough, it's not John, which I love the name the names in this book because there's Douglas Douglas, mm-hmm. there's John Johnson, but there's. there's Bud River, there's Robert Rainbow, and then like all the ancillary dudes throughout the whole book are all named Jerry. Yeah, just a bunch of Jerry's. Yeah. And then one sexual Gary. And then one sexual Gary. <laughs> you know, for a second, I thought, uh, like in the very early issues when I kept seeing sexual Gary posters uh-huh. and shit, I thought um, Kegel Face was married to Gary. I thought Gary was the mustache oh, guy. Oh, that would have been kind of funny. <laughs> he was um, the... the uh... Dismissive husband or like yeah. absent husband? Absent as hell. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so the final issue is their marriage, yeah. Bud and, and Dewey. And we see John and Susie have to confront each other, and they obviously still mm-hmm. have very strong feelings for each other. And it's not necessarily love. It's just like un- undeniable admiration. You know what I mean? And it's, they wholeheartedly care for each other. And then, yeah, you, you had mentioned in our previous version Mm -hmm. of this episode that Susie's kind of arc is that like, yeah, she doesn't have to like 
like prescribe her life to us anymore. Mm-hmm. Like she, there's the part where she is fourth wall breaking, but yeah. then closes the door on us. Yeah, the whole last issue, we never, we there's no nudity at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's basically like, I'm done showing all this part of my life. Like I, you know, like yeah. I'm, get the fuck out of here. Like I'm gonna take a bath on my own time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. So I thought it was great, and I thought it was an interesting choice for them to not have the characters together in that 69th issue. Did it break your heart at all? It did break my heart a little bit, but we. In the 30th issue, when we see Susie jumping through the time sphere and everything, we do get one shot of an older gray-haired John being like, yeah. hey, are you coming to the party or something? So I believe that that was kind of meant to be a hint that they do, maybe in the long term of things, end up together. You if know not, what I mean? they're and just they, huge facets or, of each other's yeah, lives. Yeah, or they're just hugely together. So no matter what, they are together, you yeah. know? So I think it's a great story. I think it's a very real story, and it tells the honest truth of what love and sex can be like, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, and the most fantastical of way in well, unrealistic like, of ways and wholeheartedly love feels gigantic mm-hmm. like the the stakes of this book always kind of want you to feel you know what i mean and so of course this book is a jokey joke haha sex 69 kind of romp mm-hmm. named sex criminals but it is also obviously about love and what more could you ask for than to be able to t- stop time with the one you love you know what <laughs> no, I mean? that's so true that's so true holy shit um good book great book um read it read it for sure um before we end this episode i have a game Mm -hmm. i have a game for you to play oh that's if that is i have sounds Uh, they're right and wrong it is it is so throughout this book they do a lot of uh sex jokes they do a lot of like sex names like positions moves (laughs) you know what i mean you're trying to make me guess some of these positions okay so i wanted to create my own okay and so i compiled a list half of them uh maybe not exactly half some of them are mine some of them are real okay and so you have to guess is this a real sex move position okay or not (laughs) just based on the name yeah just based on the name okay i like this actually okay um should i play like music if you want to let me see if I can real quick. Give me one second. <laughs> you have game show music? I do. Okay, so hold on. That's pretty it's good. Gonna, it might stop here in a second. Yeah, I'm going to... I'll bring it up. Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay, just making sure I have all the buttons right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Are you cool with this? I'm cool. No, this is great. This... Okay, cool. All right. So the first sex move I have on here is the Texas belt buckle. <laughs> That's that, got to be real. Is that real or false? <laughs> That's got to be real. No shit. <laughs> I made that one up. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't write the descriptions down because I didn't want it to get too graphic. Yeah, no, that's But fine. I didn't create a description for this one. If I had to, I, I guess you come like the shape of Texas <laughs> on somebody. I don't know. <laughs> on their like, stomach. No, I imagine like getting a like a belt and you wrap it around both <laughs> of y'all. And that's you a good idea. The, <laughs> the belt buckle. God damn it. Okay. All right. Number two. Tiger style. Is this a real sex position? Yes. <laughs> you got that one right. Yeah. All right. Next. The Tony Danza tap dance <laughs> extravaganza. <laughs> No. <laughs> You're right. That is not a real sex move. You had to make that. <laughs> That's actually a band name. Oh, really? Yeah, it's Tony like a, a like... grindcore band. That's fucking badass. All right. Next is Flash of the Titans. Is that a real sex uh, move or, or I guess, a, what are they called? Like sex? Position. Position, I yeah. guess. Yeah. 
The Kama, Kama Sutra, you know? Yeah, Kama, Kama Sutra. <laughs> the Flash of the Titans. Is that, is that, that sounds a, like a porn. A, I don't know a sex act yeah. is what I think it's okay. considered. A sex act. Do you think uh, that's real or false? False. You're right. That's not real. <laughs> you made that one up. I made that one up. Okay, this one's called The Backbreaking Boner. Is that a real thing or not? That's got to be real, too. It's real. Dude, I know my sex Dude. positions. <laughs> you read the book. Your first one was good, though. <laughs> All right, next is The Naughty Santa. Is that real that or not? That's real, too. That right? is real. <laughs> Dude, you are knocking this out of the park. Fucking bro, I know my sex. Okay, the next one is called The Taco Bell Pope. Is that real or false? Real or fake, I shouldn't say. <laughs> fake. That's Dude, <laughs> you did not do a good job. <laughs> the Taco Bell Pope. The Taco it? Bell Pope. Okay, is this one real? The Mississippi Birdbath. <laughs> God, yes. It is. It is. Wow. Okay. Is Brony style real? No. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> no, Brony style is not real. <laughs> okay. What about this? This is a sex act, not a move or a style, I guess. It's called. Close Encounters with the Brown Eye. Is that real or false? Fake. Fake. You're right. Dude, you can you can read right through me. Okay. Uh, what about the Alabama Hot Pocket? That's got to be real. Basically, if it's got a state and in the name, that's why I think you got me with the first one. God damn it. Okay. What about Hayden Shrek? <laughs> yes. That's real? That's real. Oh, damn it. I made that one up. Okay, last one. All right. Not your granddad's colonoscopy. That's the sex act. Real? It's false. <laughs> I made that one up, too. <laughs> I can believe that one. Okay, Kenny. Pretty good, though. You did so good. Yeah. I call that a, a pass. Hey. Oh, no, not that one. Where is the... No. I can't believe you've done this. Uh, where's... I thought there was an applause button. There is, because you played it earlier. Because I also clapped along it. It's the kids. All right. Well, regardless, you beat up. We win. You beat me. You win. Yay! Yay! Where is it? Is it? Gotta thank. Gotta thank God. God damn it! There it is. Okay. Congratulations, Kenny. You are the sex master. I am the sex criminal. You got, I think, like three or four wrong, but you got the other. Like, out of 12, <laughs> correct. Um, great job, dude. Yeah, thanks, bud. What a good episode. <laughs> what a great episode. What a good comic. If you haven't read it and you just listened to this for the fuck of it, go read it now. Yes, please. It's it's a very good read. Um, and it's pretty well collected. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, and within six volumes, it's it's all there. Yeah. Um, next week, we're going to be talking about Sweet Tooth uh-huh. and uh, the Netflix show that comes along mm-hmm. with it. Um, just a heads up, we are recording these about a month in advance, so sorry it comes so late, but yeah. this also gives you plenty of time to have watched and consumed these things before you get around to exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. We get around to them on our own time. Don't it, judge us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, and please follow us on Instagram. It's going to be, fo- it's going to be in the podcast notes. Yeah. So oh, that's always available. There you go. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Yeah, thank you guys so much, and we will uh, see you next week for Sweet Tooth. Uh, we will see you then, and we will see you on another time. What a cliche. Later on the menu. <laughs> Bye. Bye.